Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you've got your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1. All right, I want you to look through uh, chapter 8. Just take your, maybe flip a few pages. When you go home this afternoon, I encourage you to read it. Wow, this place absolutely filled up this morning, didn't it? Um, Let me just say something before I get started about this dancing on disappointment. Yes. I'll be glad to do that. Maya. Maya. Why don't you stay right here with me? Why don't you pray in Spanish what I pray in English? Is that cool? I don't speak it very well. You don't? Francis, are you here? Come, come, Francis. I got Francis right here. She's coming right here. She does? Okay, you do? Father, I thank you for this soul right here. What's your name? Maya, thank you. (laughs) I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one who brings the possibility of walking with you. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one, God, who uh, brings a pathway of righteousness before us and gives us possibilities that are beyond measure. I thank you, Father, that you, God, have a plan for Maya. I pray, Lord God, that she have revelation and that she be able to begin to see things, God, as you see them. She would be able to see her life laid out in front of her as you have placed it there. And so, Father, like each one of us that are here today, you have a purpose for her. I pray, God, that she experience it in your fullness. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Maya, there'll be people up front at the end of the service that you can talk to and pray with, and they'll get you started. Amen? It's good to see you. Amen. When you talk about dancing on disappointment, what that is, let me just give you, I want to give you some claws to grab a hold of that thing. It's not like disappointment doesn't come. If you think you're going to live this life and because you're a Christian, you're no longer going to be disappointed, you're going to be disappointed in that. (laughs) Amen? So what causes you to dance on disappointment? Why you can dance on disappointment is because you serve a God who is over, lords over disappointment. Amen? And your trust and your hope is in Him so you can dance on the disappointment because you know that His way is good. And he's got something good for you. Amen? 
And so because of that and because of who he is, you can dance on disappointments because you serve a God who is Lord of them. That's how you praise on disappointments. And it makes you go like this. You put it underneath your feet. You, you, you place it there. I'm disappointed. I'm putting it here. And I'm going to dance on it. Right? You with me? Why don't you stand up with me? <laughs> you know what's coming, isn't it? I guess, I guess you can just do like this, right? Let's just think of things right now that we're disappointed with and that we're going to dance on. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Just dance on it right now. Dance on it right now. Putting it right there. <laughs> Are y'all still going? Y'all got lots of it. That's good. Let's give the Lord praise. Father, we bless you. Trying to get to all the things that we want to get to. I'm going to talk about eight chapters of Scripture today. And so I've got, I've got to compress it into 35 minutes. So y'all, um, yeah, now it's less than. But anyway, we got to get with it, okay? Uh, it's Joshua chapter 1 through 8. And Joshua is written and given to us as an account of the people of God going into the land that God promised, going into the place that God had established for God's people. And it is a type. You've got to understand that it's a type. And it is the continuation of Deuteronomy, which is Moses' account, account of what God did up until he move the people over into the promised land. In other words, the promise was to Moses and to the people. Moses never experienced the promise. But Joshua began to carry out the promise. And even in that very thing, there's a type. There is an impartation of the anointing that was on Moses being imparted to Joshua. There's a, there's a, a, here's a leadership mantle here, an anointing from God to carry out the task that's been placed on another human being that once was on this human being. Does that make sense? It's a whole nother generation. Matter of fact, God said that he was going to wipe out this generation because they were so hard-headed and stiff-necked that he didn't want to deal with them. He was dealing with, he was dealing with uh, a, a new generation. And, of course, they get circumcised when they're old, which is an interesting concept. And that's in about chapter 5. All of you guys say, I'm glad we don't have to get circumcised when we're old. Can I get a hearty amen? Thank you for tracking with me. But there's an impartation. And I just want you to, to understand this. Joshua was an anointed man of God. He was singled out to lead the church into the place of promise, the promises of God. But here's what happened at Pentecost. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on all flesh so that every person, man, woman, and child, could have the Joshua anointing. 
It's the church. It's a type. It is a picture of the possibilities of God followers. The eyes of the Lord. Listen. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for a heart that is solely devoted to Him so that God can show Himself strong through that man and woman. It's an anointing that is available to all flesh. At that time, it was only available to Joshua because the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out on all flesh. It used to come on leaders and judges and kings and prophets, but only leaders, judges, kings, and prophets. It even came on kings that didn't have a relationship with God at times. But there was an anointing that came, and God said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out that Spirit on all flesh. And you're going to be able to operate in a place that you wouldn't be without my Spirit. Okay? So what you've got to understand is what you're reading in Joshua, what you read in Deuteronomy, uh, uh, is, is an incredible thing. And everything you read is a type. God is trying to get your attention on how he wants to work in your life. This is not a nice little story that's written for us so that we can go, wow, that's nice. Man, I'm glad God's like that for them. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, this is who I am, and this is what I do when I pour out my spirit, and I have somebody who will actually listen to me and do things as I tell them. And when they do that, they're going to begin to receive the promises. And so everything that we see in Scripture in, that, in, the, in this in this story, which goes on, I'm going to only do the first eight chapters as I go over it here, right this second. I'm going to have to tell you the story because I can't read the whole story. I'm just going to highlight a few things. And so Moses, he anoints Joshua and he tells Joshua, you the man? Say that. You the man. Look to the person to the left and to the right and tell them that. You the man. You the woman. And so what's, what's really neat is that if you'll read the whole account, what you'll discover is that the people of Israel, the will of God, you need to really understand this, the will of God was at the moment that the church came to the Jordan River and they sent the three spies over, when at that moment, the will of God was that they enter into the promised land. And they did not. And then they realized, ooh, I really messed up. God wanted me to go in the promised land. Let's all go into the promised land. And God said, no. You had your opportunity to go into the promised land, and because your heart wasn't right, we're going to have to begin to deal with your heart to get you prepared to go in the promised land. So if you go in the promised land now, you're going to get smited. 
because you're not prepared to go into the promised land. So I'm going to carry you around in the wilderness, and I'm going to begin to test your heart to get it to a place where you're ready at least a little bit to cross over. In that, in that explanation for Moses, God even says to Moses, he says this, don't think you're going to go into the promised land and to conquer these enemies because of your righteousness. I'm not going to slay these people for you because of your righteousness, church. I'm going to slay these people because of their wickedness. Has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their position, their heart. And he would come to a group of people, a people group, and if their heart had a bent toward him, he would tell the people of Israel, the church, to avoid those people. Don't, don't attack those people. Go around them. Not only that, but just go tell them who you are. Introduce yourself and don't slay them. Because they had a heart for him, right? So this is a, this is a picture of, 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 of what God wants to do as you begin to walk in his promises. And so he gives the command again, the second time, the order to cross over. Joshua hears the order and begins to follow those steps. And then for the second time, he sends the spies in, right? And we see the story of Rahab. There's a beautiful story of salvation again. This is happening right at Passover time. And we see that when the spies went in, the, the harlot, the the prostitute in the house of harlotry is the one that God used and even brought the lineage of Christ through her. But there is a scarlet cord that is let out that is a symbol of Jesus' death and resurrection, similar to Passover where, where death passed her by because she put the blood out the window. And her and her household would save. There's a beautiful type of Jesus written there in that book. But that's not all I really want you to get. But I want you to see those kinds of things. And so they cross over and they build this memorial, these memorial stones. And the reason they stack these stones up, they're, they're given the command to make sure that we raise our children in the ways of the Lord. Make sure that they know about my name. They know who I am. They know my character. They know, they know what I can do. And they learn to put their trust in me. Build these stones so that you can tell them about my reputation. You can tell them about my goodness. You can tell them about my power and my kindness. It is a monument to remind you to remind them of who I am. And that is a testimony of the day that God brought them into the place that he promised. And there are all kinds of promises in Scripture for you and for me. And we've got to remember the testimony. I love, Brandon, that that's where you went, is with the testimony. Because we've got to remember the testimony of our God. But here's the deal. We've got to remember that and we've got to be expecting it for the future. If it's over 24 48, seven days old, you need a new testimony. Because the Lord wants to carry you from promise to promise. And you're going to see that. And that is the main flux of what I want you to see in the message. So oftentimes, we, we think about the promises of God and we think, well, they're all mine and they are all yours. 
His promises for you and for me are yes and amen. But he didn't pour them all out at the same time. You don't get them all right now. What about the promises of God for me? Well, let's walk on into the promised land. You've got some giants that need to be defeated in your life. And when you begin to do the things that I order you to get the giant, to kill those giants as I move on your behalf and as you bring them to me, as you depend on me, as you do what I ask you to do and those giants are slayed, you'll receive this promise. You'll get this territory back. You'll get this thing that I promised. And what you'll see as Israel went into the promised land, is that that whole promised land wasn't given to them in a day. And they, they did have to run around in the wilderness. So you might be a believer in the wilderness. If you are, God might be trying to test your heart to see that when you don't see things happen the way you think they ought to or the way you think God should do them, then he it might be testing your heart to still see if you look to him, if you'll trust him, if you'll do the things that he says do. And if you don't, most likely you're not going to cross the Jordan. You're going to stay in that wilderness until you get your heart right, until you put your faith and your trust in him. And then he will begin to slay the giants because God is the one who says that he does the work. What we have to do is position ourselves before God with humility, doing the ways of God so that our way becomes prosperous and the promises become true. They become yes and amen for you and for me. And so they built those memorial stones. One of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible is when Joshua comes to the commander of the Lord. And all this is capitalized in any word-for-word -word translation. And so to, to, to see this is a beautiful picture because it is, it is Jesus incarnate in the Old Testament. Scholars believe that that's the case because there's references to Messiah. And so Jesus is, is manifesting in physical form before Joshua in the desert. Now, to, to see this, you, you get a different image of the Lord because when Joshua encounters the Lord, he has a sword, a sword drawn. He's a warrior and not a lamb. He's coming back on a white horse with eyes as flames of fire, he's, and he's going to slay the dragon. He's coming back as a warrior. He came one time and laid down his life as a lamb. He is the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. But he's coming back as the warrior of God who's going to slay hell forever. Put it in the pit. Step on it. All disappointment will be underneath his feet. <laughs> and there you see him. And Joshua asked an important question. He says, whose side are you on? You on my side or you on their side? And Jesus' answer 
is imperative that you understand. He says, neither. Neither one. I'm on the father's side. I'm on daddy's side. Whatever daddy says, that's what I do. Yeah. Who's, <laughs> whose side are you on? Is basically what he's asking. You on the other side or are you on daddy's side? Because I'm here to carry out the command of daddy. Now listen, God wants to, he wants to straighten out your path. He wants to make it straight. He wants to defeat your enemies. He is a fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. He, he does battles for you. He wants to do all those things for you. But how he does them is when you put your faith and your trust in him. When you worship him. When your heart's desire is to do life the way he says. And you trust no matter how disappointed you are that he is able to get victory for you. Because he promises it. No matter what it looks like at the moment. And that's what you were saying, Brandon. That's what faith is. Faith is knowing that God is going to bring about victory. Now what you need to understand is when the, when the spies went in to Jericho to look at this city, they went, wow. This place is really fortified. I want you to think about the things that are challenging you in your life right now. This thing is very fortified. In other words, it looks hard for me to overcome. I, don't, I, I mean, it looks, it looks so large that it looks too large for me. That's a great life lesson all by itself. If you don't need God, then it probably isn't going to be a God-sized task. But anyway, it says about them that the, the fortress was big. He, sa he, sa he says the people are large. They're big people. They're huge people. You know? They're not little bitty people. They're giants, which is the same report they got the first time. But they went in anyway because God said, don't, don't be strong and courageous. Go get, go get them, sick them. And, and they went into Jericho. But guess what? When they went into Jericho, they had to fight Jericho. They did the things that God told them to do. They walked around the city one day, one trip. One trip, because that's what God said. He said, listen, he said, put the priests out there. Put the Ark of the Covenant, which is my presence. Put my presence out front. Make sure you don't get too close to it so you can see what I'm doing. Don't just hear that? Let me just stop right there. Don't get too close to it. Watch what I'm doing and follow me, Jesus says. God says about himself. Let them get out front a little bit. Put the seven trumpets out there and blow the trumpets as they go and just walk around at once. He did that. Second day they did it. They did it for seven days. On the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. And there was a great shout and the walls fell down. The fortress was busted. Jesus said, listen, Jesus has already told you that on the rock of him being Messiah, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you look at Joshua, it says they fortified themselves so that nobody could get in or get out. They, 
They locked down, and God broke the walls down. And when God broke the walls down, he didn't kill everybody. Matter of fact, he didn't kill anybody. There was 42,500 Israelites that went in and took the city. Just because the promise is yours don't mean you don't have to fight for the promise. God will make a way, but you're going to have to fight. And then Jericho's destruct is destroyed. And they did a great job. They followed the Lord except this one guy, and he, he, does, he, he takes from the, the spoils, and he hides it in his tent. And then they go and they fight Jericho. And they lose because they did it. It's interesting how that happened. They did it based on their past experience. They did it on their orders for Jericho and not their orders for Ai. In other words, God did it like this last time, so let's go do it. So let's take it. Let's go get it. And we do that. When God is waiting on you to wait on him, to get instruction because you've got a whole different enemy. You've got a whole different set of issues that you've got you've to get. What he wants you to do is depend on him for instruction and to make your way straight. But you can't do it in separation from God. You've got to do it with him. And so that's what happens there. And then, and then finally they go in a second time and, and they beat AI. So let's just go real quickly over some things that we can, that I want you to understand and what you've got to do. Some things that claws that you can grip this thing with as you read it. First, the thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to build your life on the testimony and the promises of God. What's in this book is your testimony. It's written for you. It's written so you can understand God and the ways of God for your life. There, there are types in the Old Testament and the New Testament that he is giving you so you'll know his nature and his character. I hear all the time, what's the will of God for my life? And let me just tell you what it is, is that you would serve him and him alone. That you would worship him and recognize him as most high God. And that you would pursue him in such a way that you would hear his voice because he promised in his word that my sheep hear my voice. He promises in his word that I'll make your path straight. He promises in his word everything that concerns us as far as the will of God. If we will know his word, if we'll write it on our heart, if it's on our head, if we'll be careful to do what it says, he says about you and me that we will prosper in everything we do. What is our desire? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and he will add all these things unto you. What's the will of God? Pursue him. Wait on him. Believe him. The promises are yes for you. You really got to believe that. Listen, you are Joshua. You're Joshua. You've got to believe it in your heart that God wants an anointing on your life. Do you hear me? There's an anointing available for your life. 
You've got to, you've got to know that. And you've got to begin to walk in that by pursuing the Lord, by knowing His Word, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that, so that the Spirit of God can bring you to the truth about who Jesus is and what He says. And then you can begin to, to fulfill the promises that God has for you. You can begin to battle for them. God says in, in, in Joshua that, that he will lead you. He, he says that he'll be with you. He says that he will never forsake them, the church. If you're part of God's church, his promise to you, even in Joshua, is that he never will forsake you. Do you realize what forsake means? He says, I will never. Say that. That's a big word. Never. Never. That's a big word. Forsake you. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Jesus said that as well to his disciples. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. He says to Joshua, the anointed of God, I'm going to drive out your enemy. You're not going to drive out your enemy. I'm going to drive your enemy out. It comes with the cross. You become part of the, of the family of God. But it's the anointing of God. It's the doing of the word of God that drives the enemy out. Do you understand that? Do you, do you see how important that is? Am I, am I, do you see any intensity <laughs> about this thought? You can't do it. The word of God does it. The ways of God does it. It's not for you to do. Your due is to pursue God. Your due, your due is to do what he says. Because got they got commandments on exactly how to take Jericho. They got commandments on exactly how to take Ai. You can trust his word. You've got to learn his word. You've got to know it. You've got to trust it. You've got to do it. You've got to understand that his testimony goes before you. So what, how do you do that? Well, you've got to say to, 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 to the Lord, Lord, you did this with Moses. You did it with Joshua. And, and I, I believe you want to do it with me. <laughs> y'all really got to get that. I, I can see you right now. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all don't believe me the way you need to. Because y'all think all the anointing's on the worship leader. Or the pastor. We just men. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That hopefully we listen and do. And when we do, guess what? It makes our way prosperous. He does it. He does the work. Let's look at a few scriptures. Man, they're powerful. They're powerful. Oh, my gosh. Psalms 37, 28, and 29. This is David. For the Lord loves justice. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Say that with me. He does not forsake his saints. I'm a saint. 
They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and they shall dwell in it forever. The righteous will inherit what land? The land that God promised. The promises of God. Isaiah 55, 6 and 11 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. That's, that's a, that might be a warning for some. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And then God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the sun, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but they do what they were sent to do, they water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall in that do that thing for which I sent it to do. As sure as the rain works and does what I send the rain to do, my word's going to do it. For who? For the anointed of God. Because I never forsake the anointed of God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may not be on the same pathway of promise as the person next to you. So God is able to give them things that you might not have yet. And he's just testing your heart trying to figure out where you might be so that he can bring about what he wants to bring about in your life and you're coveting what somebody else has without going through what they've had to go through to get what they got. Right? That's the ways of the Lord. And they're individually made for you because you have a special anointing. You have an anointing that nobody in the room has but you. A purpose. Matthew, Jesus says, All authority has give, been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded. And, lo, I am with you always. Say that. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with you. And so we have to build our life on the testimony of the men and the women of God and believe that that testimony and that power and that victory is mine because I'm a Joshua and I have the anointing of the Lord. I can either be in the wilderness or I can begin to fight for the promises that God promises me if I'll pursue Him first.
You pursue me first in my kingdom, and then I'm going to add promise number one. When you get there and you get victory there, I'll add promise number two. Number three, number four, they took it city by city as long as they pursued God. And so sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes it was for Joshua as well, but it, God knew it. He starts the whole journey for Joshua with be strong and be courageous. Be strong actually has the context of strengthening yourself. It goes back to the whole idea of dancing on your disappointments. It goes, that, 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 that whole word for strong means uh, for David, uh, what it meant in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, they had gone out doing the things of God and they came back to their camp and, and the enemy had captured their wives and their children. And then the other warriors wanted to kill David. And it says about David that he strengthened himself in the Lord. It was, it's the same word. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. How do you do that? Will you recognize who you are and you recognize who he is and you say to yourself, I've got the anointing of Joshua. If I'll just pay attention, if I'll just listen, if I'll get in his word, if I'll be careful to do what it says, he's going to do the work for me. He's going to take captive. He's going to give me instruction. And when he gives me instruction, his grace is sufficient to accomplish what he instructs me to do. There's nothing that is grace, his power, working in my circumstances, accomplishing his will, his task, is unable to do. And so he says, strengthen us, be strong, be courageous. No matter what condition you find yourself in, and he says about you, just like he says about Joshua, I'm, I will exalt you. I'll exalt you. How was Joshua exalted? He was exalted by the victories. When the people of Ai and the people of Jericho heard that the church was coming, they were fearful and afraid because of the reputation of what God had already done in their life. Listen to me. This is incredibly important. Does the enemy shudder? Does hell push back because of the reputation of what God has done in your life? Is it fearful? Does it shudder because of the victories that you have? That is how God exalts you. Hell begins to push back because of the strength and the grace that you walk in. I, as your pastor, want to walk in more grace. I want to walk in more power. I want to be obedient quicker. I want to see the reputation of God go forth and begin to scatter hell everywhere I go. Amen. Do y'all not want to be that? Yes. yes. Joshua. God says, I'll exalt you. How? You defeat hell in your life. You grab the promises of God by following him and by doing his word. So strengthen yourself. <laughs> Joshua in Ai, they came to Ai. I've got to tell this story. I've got to tell two stories. 
I'm looking. Joshua comes to the second city. The first city they sent 42,500 men in because it was fortified to the heavens, because they were giants. The second city, they're little people. They didn't look like they had that much fortification. We don't really need that much here. Why don't we just send 3,000 men in? And they came back running with their tails between their legs, and 32 of them got killed. Because they struck out trying to do the same thing they did at Jericho. And they got busted. And you know what Joshua says? Listen, it's so important. It's in the book so you'll hear it. He says, God, why did we ever try to even come into the promised land? Why did they even, why did they even start this thing? God said, get up. Get up. Stand up. Get with it. Get your head on straight. Start doing things the way I said do them. Listen to me. You've got sin in your camp. Get it out. And then when you go, after they got the sin out of the camp, listen, it's so stinking good. They sent 30,000 men behind Ai, and they sent that same 3,000 back up there the second time. And they busted out of the, Ai busted out of the camp, left the doors wide open, come running down Israel. Israel, the 3,000 began to turn and run as if they were defeated, and the 30,000 came in and got the whole city. God used the whole way that Israel failed taking Ai to take the city. He let the enemy think they were going to do the same thing all over again, and he had a whole different way of going about it, and he struck down the city and it burned. God wants to take maybe even the same ways you've made a mistake, that you've done things wrongly, and he wants to bring you victory. You sang that. There were two words of prophecy that were sung this morning. And I hope you pay attention. Because both of them was a message from the Lord to this church. Both of them. I was sitting there in amazement. Because I knew what the Lord was going to say to you. I've got one more thing. I just got to get it out because it's incredibly important. When you think about uh, doing the things of God, how important it is to do it the ways of God. When there was sin in the camp, it was because of this one thing. The Lord had said about Jericho, I want you to go in, I want you to take all the spoils, and I want you to gather them up, and I want you to bring them to the church. I want to bring them to the temple and I want you to put them in the treasury of the church. And it's a huge lesson. And I'm going to be bold, extremely bold. 
It's a, it's a story of first fruits. It is the first place that, that the first place of promise coming into the land of promise. They take it, they take the spoils, they take the fruit, and they bring it to the treasury of the church. When he went to Ai, he said this, you can keep them. You can keep the spoils. Some of you want the promises of God, but you won't bring the first fruits to the church. And don't think you're going to go capture something else without bringing your first fruits to the church. It's all over Scripture. You can fight it. You can argue. You can stiff neck your way all you want to. But I'm telling you right now, in the name of the Lord, he requires it his way. It is not an option. And if you're thinking about gross or net, you're probably not in a good place in your heart. And, that, and that's what he cares about. He cares about where your heart is. Are you going to walk in the wilderness because your heart's not right and you're not willing to bring the first fruits? That's exactly what happened to Israel. You had one dude in the camp that didn't bring the first fruits back to the temple. And it caused the whole city to stumble. You want God's blessing on your life. There is no getting around doing it his way. And he says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. Bring the first fruits to the storehouse. That is not for us to beckon because we need money. It's not because your pastor is getting rich. I know that's going on. I know it is. It's been going on since the church began. People trying to make money off the gospel. It's been going on. Yes. It does not change the fact that that's God's requirement for the spoils. And if you want the next promise, the whole reason they got defeated is because they hadn't done everything the Lord said do the first time. And then they began to get victory because they understood how important it was to do what God asks. When, and I'm closing, when Joshua finally captured Ai, which is right after Jericho, which was less than two miles from Bethel, which means the house of God. Ai means a place of trouble. Right next to the house of God interesting it says when he got victory when he didn't get victory he got on his face and he cried out and he prayed and said God why don't I have victory and the Lord told him and he changed it and then he gets victory and he reads the whole law to the people see we've only been in here an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> consider yourself lucky Joshua read the whole law to everybody that women, men, children, to get it in their hearts so they didn't screw it up again. Can I say it that way in church? So they didn't mess it up again. He read it to them all over and said, this is the word of the Lord. We've got to do things this way. Y'all get that? 
They said, yes. And they said, okay, let's go. So there's this pathway of receiving the promises of God. There's God developing you along the way, and you're not going to be going at the same pace as the person sitting beside you because you have your own anointing. You have your own ministry that God wants you to fulfill. And the only way to fulfill it is obedience. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.